Jeff Ogilvy survives Wingfoot. Now the moment Aaron Badley has waited. Curry Webb is the five-time Australian Open champion. Golf at its best by one of the best in golf, Peter Thompson. Stand in front of a crowd like this today and win the PGA Championship is pretty special. He's done it at last, Greg Norman. Gets his name on the Stonehaven Cup. Leash to 11-under. We've got a new leader, kids. Here it is. Adam Scott. A life changer. Coming up next, you have unrestricted access to golf across Australia and the world. Thanks to Golf Australia, we're going inside the ropes. Subscribe now on iTunes or your favourite podcast app or head to golf.org.au. G'day everybody, welcome to the show. It is Inside the Ropes episode number 34 on a genuinely huge week in the world of golf. Andy Murray alongside Mark Hayes. Hazy, uh... Hard in mouth at times this week for you, big fella. Uh, no, you? look, I'm. I have to change it, take it all back. In you are the number one doubter on the Tiger Woods bandwagon. Well, I'm. I'm off that wagon. You're off it. Yeah. I, look, I still don't think he's going to win a major, so I, I'll I'll stick to my guns there. But I saw things at the weekend that just made me rethink how he's going. Um, we talked about it last week. Perhaps we should introduce Blakey I'll say before Blakey, we go Blakey, because you want to become part. You, we I, need you as part of all of this. Hello, Mark. I, I'm just laughing at Hazy <laughs> being in a world of pain there with, <laughs> yes. that, with I, that bet. I think about you as much as I think about Tiger when I'm watching <laughs> Tiger now. I really do. Uh, it's funny. I, I seriously thought he wouldn't get to this level. Uh, and I, as I say, I'm reserving my judgment. or well, I'm sticking to my judgment mm. on the major championships because I think when the elite players are all at their best and they've tapered for the majors, he's still going to struggle. But... On the weekend, clearly his club head speed was still enormous and he's driving it out there. But he also chose wisely a few times and just kept the ball in play. Maybe to his detriment on the 72nd hole, we don't know. But he shaped the ball both ways. Um, his his hands around the green as as he was last week, last time he played at Honda, which you mentioned was were exemplary. But the thing that struck me and him most, um, well, aside from the shaping the ball both ways, is the fact that he played some escape shots and from awkward positions in the rough and didn't flinch. Yeah. A, he went for it, and B, he knew his back could stand up to it. And I, look, clearly, he's one of the most skilled players who's ever played the game. There's no doubting that. So he's, if he's got the confidence to play all those shots, I, I've got no reason to doubt him anymore at that, at that tour level. That's a pretty he's, big he's comeback just, for he's me. He's moved one inch, uh, the, Andrew. Well, well your overall, because we'll drill down on some of the you know, minutiae of it all, but your overall mm. sense for what, what's happened to well, the game of golf in the last four tournaments that he's played in? Well, it's exploded, hasn't mm. it? And I mean, we're going to talk to Matt Kaminsky soon from the, the uh, President's Cup what because he's, he's the yeah. new captain of the U.S. team for uh, Royal Melbourne next year as well. But it just it creates a buzz, Andy. And I'm, mm. I, I've read in the last few weeks the television ratings, uh, the media centre at the Valspar Championship had to be doubled in size, apparently. You know, all these sort of things happen. So whatever we think about Tiger, you know, and the new players coming through and all that, it's all very well. But he's he's the guy that does move the needle. So 129 miles an hour swing speed. Uh, I mean, he's really ripping at the ball. He obviously Three, three miles an hour faster than the fastest club head speed that Dustin Johnson's um, produced yeah. this year. So he swung it, he's swinging it faster and harder. Than DJ is mm. generating at the moment. Yeah, uh, and 
as I said, to be honest, I didn't think that was going to be possible four or five weeks ago. So, yeah, and, it, yeah. and it, to me, Andy, it didn't look like that in the Bahamas. You know, so he's you're right, taking mate. strides, yeah. massive strides. And, yeah. you know, when he starts, we all saw that one that he nearly hold on the on the 17th early in the tournament in, uh, at Innsbruck there. It was a beautiful four-yard fade. And I thought, oh, that's impressive. And he knew it was good as soon as he hit it, the bugger, um, and twirled <laughs> the stick, you know, and that smile came back. Um, but then he started playing high draws to, to back left pins Spot and on. things like this. And I'm like, oh, this is what we used to see. And you forget about it because he just battled for, for so long just playing like a normal good tour pro. <laughs> but this was Tiger. No, I, so I do. Some of us forget about it. Yeah. You forget about it. Oh, no, I was more, I must admit, hand on heart and raise it here for the one and only time. I probably had more, <laughs> I probably had more of my heart and soul in your camp than in the alternate. I was barracking for the other, yeah. but, I, but my true belief was that yeah. his best was past him. And it probably is, but to say that he can't compete, that, that's now gone. He can absolutely yeah. compete with the very best players in the world. Now, there was no Ram, there was no Thomas, there was no Johnson at Valspar. Spieth and McElroy missed the cut, and we've got to talk about both of those guys, particularly Rory. McElroy, who's in just real trouble at the moment. But, so, so at the very top end of the tree, like you said, they weren't all there. No. But it was still a... Jason Day, wasn't it? Jason but it was Day. still a pretty strong field. It was. And he can cut it now. He yeah, no, no, it, there's know? no doubt. And I, I want to... You know, I, I keep saying this, and Blakey's not going to sort of let up on me, which is perfectly fine. <laughs> I didn't want him to fail. I just thought that he would. Mm. And this, he clearly isn't going to. This Masters, uh, gentlemen, is going to be the biggest <laughs> thing in golf. Oh, I mean, yeah. if he can tee it up and, you know, shoot 69 on round one and, you know, keep himself in the mix, it's going to be absolutely huge. Well, yeah. here's the thing. and I've heard, learn, I've been reading a lot, and they're all saying that this week at Bay Hill will test the, his driving accuracy more than Copperhead did. He was able to hit those stinging two irons. The course set, he, set up more for that than Bay Hill will. And, of course, Augusta will be another challenge again in terms of what he can do off the tee. Now... Interestingly, at Augusta, you can miss the fairways at oh, Augusta because yeah. there's no rough. And, and if they're you wide can, as well. You, they are. And you can get out of there. If you're a shaper and you can, you've can, yeah. got every angle and every line of attack in your bag, then you can get out of trouble at Augusta. And Tiger can do that. This is like, it's a, it's a classic, I don't want to go all clates on you, but it's a, it's a McKenzie course. You play it backwards. It's not really that big an issue off the tees. Mm. Maybe on the 11th, I'm just trying to think through, my, through the course, Seven is relatively tight, but realistically, there's a lot of space you can drive the ball into, and that just plays right into Tiger's hands. Spot on. Um, and, you know, I, my biggest fear, Andy, for his game, as we were remembering the high shots and all that sort of thing, but was that he was going to chip like he did in 2015. Spot and, on. And yeah, what when he was that? In, I have no idea where that's gone. People were saying he had the yips, chipping yips. Well, I'm sure he probably did. I'm sure he probably did, but who Normally knows? Normally, if you get it, you you know you don't get rid of it that quickly. And you would have no. thought that all the pro- problems he had with his back, chipping would have been the one act. Mm. The short game would have been the one area where there wasn't the stress the pressure. So it was a mental thing more than anything. But and, who knows? And if know? he chips like he did at uh, Innisbrook, at Augusta National, I mean it's different, different rough around style around the greens, but. If he chips like that, he's, he's got to be a show. Mm. And as Blakey points out, I mean, what a field. We're going to have everyone rolling up to this. All these guys taper so much more than they used to. They, you know, you used back in the day, a lot of guys played a lot more events, I think. So you saw you had a really good form guide. We're rolling in here. Not all of them have played against each other very often this year. And we're going to have 
Phil on top of his game, Tiger on top of his game, plus all the young kids that we've been raving about for the last five years. So, you know, this stands to be one of the great masters. Andy, poor poor old Paul Casey won the event for his (laughs) first first, uh, win in 132 starts on the US Tour. (laughs) And he just got swamped by by the talk about Tiger. But, uh, you know, Paul Casey is a... He's a cracking player. Yeah. I, you know, it is pretty amazing to think that he it's taken him that long to win another one on the US Tour. I think that was his second win. He had yeah, 21 was. putts on the last day. Unbelievable. But he had nine be... fewer putts than Tiger. Mm. Nine yes. fewer putts by, to, to the bloke who lost by a shot. The great it's thing extraordinary. He, in 2000, this was his fifth event in 2018. So he's had two top tens and a win in the five times he's teed it up in 2018, Casey. So he's in good form. And if you go through, despite the fact there haven't been many wins in America, mm. um, you go through his form line over the last couple of years, he's hardly missed a cut. He's um, been perennially top 40 every time he tees it up. Mm. I mean, he's multiple top 10s. He's just, he's a gl- and this Frank's the one great thing about Paul Casey. We've seen him win down here. We've seen him win in Asia. We know he wins in Europe. He wins in America. He's a true global yeah. golfer. Mm. He's a, he seems to be... I've never met him, but he seems to be a hell of a nice bloke. Yeah. Every time you see him interviewed, every time you see him out on the course, he's got a smile on his face. Um, he's good for golf. And you're right. We're going to continue to speak about Tiger after yeah. we've mentioned as a footnote the fact that Paul Casey won it. But... Um, you know, good luck to him and all the best. And you know, it was a, I think a lot of people in the world of golf were happy to see him absolutely get, get that win. You yeah, know? and and he's made a you know a point of going back to the European Tour this year because he's hell bent on getting to the Ryder Cup team. So he's going to play on the European Tour a bit more and and step away from the US, which is ironic that he's just had his big breakthrough <laughs> win again. Yeah. So, so yeah. So let me ask you two: when he made the putt, when oh, sorry. So thanks, Paul, and yeah. enough, enough about <laughs> you case. for now. Back to, anyway, back to Tiger. When he made the putt on 17, yeah. well, I don't know where you were, where you were watching it, but what did you – did you have the same reaction that I had? Yeah, oh, well, my, I swore my head off. You've got to be effing kidding me. <laughs> like, uh, what am I watching here? I actually didn't see it live because it was oh. away for the weekend, but I've since watched it on telly, and I've been reading that the Twitter sphere just went completely Exploded. off. Yeah. NFL players, NBA players. Everyone. All around the world, it just went completely yeah. ballistic. In fact, I'm going to argue that that could be the moment of the – the golf year so far. No, no doubt. I agree with that. And from from my perspective too, it was like, because I've been saying, <laughs> I've been maintaining all along that he hasn't got the same mental grip on people. Well, he oh. rolls in that putt 44 feet on, on the 71st hole. And I reckon everyone, including Paul Casey in front of him, goes, oh my God. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Th- this is back. The whole thing's He's back. Because, yeah, yeah, it was like, this is the moment. I agree with that, Blakey. It's the key moment on tour this year so far. And it's inconsequential to a result, but it's got a much bigger impact, I reckon. That yep. You know, this is the moment when people think, oh, geez, he's still got it. We still have to contend with this stuff down the stretch. So, Ron, is it Ron Sirac or Ron, Ron Sirac? Sirac? Ron Sirac. He wrote a tweet about Tiger, right? I've covered Tiger for 23 years. The first version was larger than life, better than advertised, invincible an athlete to be held in awe. This version is human, recovering from physical and emotional pain, a man easier to love. And I thought it just hit the nail on the head for me. And I know we can get all gushy and a bit too, you know, saccharine about all this sort of stuff. But but I thought, and I know the American golf writing fraternity and golf broadcasting fraternity, by and large, have an unhealthy relationship with the Tiger Woods, you know, camp and mm. everything. They haven't necessarily been as 
honest with their reporting about Tiger over the years as they perhaps should have been and could have been um, because they want to protect the brand and what it means to golf, perhaps. I'm not going to speak on their behalf. But I thought that hit the nail on the head. Yeah. Yeah, I was talking to someone yesterday who, you know, is a sports fan, not a golf fan. Mm. And they said, I'm finding it much easier to um, associate my self with Tiger mm. now to, to find a link with him because he's smiling again. And when you th- think again, well, when was he last smiling? And it's actually so long ago. It's like back in the 90s yep. when he was, I mean, he's got the ability to turn on the charm like that at the drop of a hat. But since he was regularly smiling, it's 1998, I, I reckon. totally agree. It's such a long time ago. And I think people like smilers. I think people Phil. associate people, uh, associate better or find themselves aligned to people who smile and, and are bright. Yeah. yeah no, Phil Mickelson is definitely more popular if you go out on a golf course in America no yeah. at a major or something like that at the Masters. He's more popular than Tiger. Tiger's sort of viewed as a bit of a, a cold killer, yeah, um, yeah. which is probably what he is. Yeah. Um, but he looks a bit different, doesn't he? He walks a little bit different. He, walk, he walks a little, little old man now <laughs> with little, that back. And he's got the know. hair. Like he's, he should just do something about that now. Like Maybe he's not hiding that anymore. A, a little bit of a more of a human side yeah, of, well, the, of not, the machine that he was. Exactly. Yeah. He's not invincible anymore. And he probably he knows that now. And I He's think still that, built like a second rower. Yeah, he does. He's still in pretty good nick. I'm happy about the hair. Yeah. Makes it, I can relate to Tiger <laughs> a whole lot better now than I could 10 years ago, Blakey. When is he going to get to the point where the shave Just happens? Just come, Tiger, take it off, mate. Just number one or number two. One on the, or two? Number one or two, that's all you need. You get it done every three or four weeks. You never have to worry about it again. If he needs a good barber, Dr. Follicle's here in Melbourne. <laughs> no it. paying 40 bucks and for a haircut you, for you, Andy. They'll give you a beer while you have a haircut if you want for free of, free of charge, Tiger. <laughs> Everyone just got an insight into the life of a <laughs> Now, what about Adam Scott? No, can, uh, I, can I just say one thing? about yeah, t- on. just one more thing on Tiger and I know where I read this but I read it and I cut it and I pasted it Have, did you read this thing about his missed cut stat line compared to Jordan Spieth no Tiger Woods' career this underlines the brilliance of the man he's, he's only missed 18 cuts as a pro right in 318 starts ridiculous so 318 times he started on the PGA Tour missed 18 cuts Jordan Spieth good player right Jordan Spieth Excellent. good player uh, he missed the cut on the weekend He's had 19 missed cuts in 126 starts. So 19 of 126 Spieth, 18 of 318 Tiger. And Spieth's numbers are excellent too. Of course they are. Yeah, uh, no, I mean, we forget all this stuff quickly, but I mean, this well, was a... Some of us do, yeah. I'm going to cop this for a long time, I realise that. But before we go to, to Scotty, I mean, one of the things we've got to take... Um, note of when you're reading stuff around the the twitter sphere or online or anywhere is that the tiger's impact on the media is so vast when he was up and rolling some of these guys on the american press tent basically went to 40 events a year when his schedule when his schedule came back a bit they suddenly were going to 26 events a year (laughs) and their livelihood now because there's so little newspaper coverage they're they're in effect they're sort of freelancing a lot of times, their livelihood in so many cases depends on Tiger, um, you know, doing the things that he does because interest goes through the roof, That's demand for a freelance writing goes off and, and suddenly there's more guys back in the tent and it's it's an incredible thing. You've got to keep that in mind when you read a lot of this stuff because it does get a little bit gushy. Yeah, it does. No, And I can see when you put it in that context, I can see why they 
They're barracking for him. Absolutely. They're barracking for him. And they may or may not like him or his golf or what he's done or whatever. And who cares? Mm. Because they're they're just journos. And I mean that literally. They're just journos. Um, But he has a direct impact on uh, on their livelihood. And there aren't many people you can say that. That's a good point. If he wins the Masters, uh, it'll be the greatest comeback in golf history. Sport about sport. Possibly sports. All sports. Try and think of a better one. We'll have this conversation down the track. We'll wait until he wins yeah. one before we sort okay. of spend too much time. You wanted to mention Adam Scott. Yeah, he finished tied 16th in Florida, which is not a bad result. Tied 13th the week before at Honda. So he's just showing a little bit at the moment, Scotty. He's trying hard, um, trying to get himself ready for the Masters. He was top 10 in the Masters last year. I mean, everyone sort of talks about him as if he's past tense almost. But, uh, you know, he's still very fit, very strong. He's had a year last year where, you know, had the second child, uh, you know, he's distracted, didn't play particularly well by his standards, but just keep a little eye on Scotty. There's something there, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. and another story that you wrote on golf.org.au uh, yeah. this week, Blakey. Yeah, Cameron Smith uh, jumped into the top 50, Andy, for the first time in his career, 24 years of age. Uh, it's a great thing for him because right at the moment that puts him in the Masters. Mm. Now, that won't stay necessarily like that. He has to stay in the top 50 for the next, what, two weeks, Hazy? The cutoff is the, before the Monday our time Houston. before the Houston Open. Before the Houston yeah. Open. Yeah. Mm. So do we know, is he playing this week? He yes, he is. Yeah, he's, he's playing okay. at Bay Hill this week. So he's got to just keep churning away. But he actually, uh, you know, he only finished in the, I think he was 40-something at the Valspar, but 46, because yeah. of the rolling ranking. Yeah. Uh, he jumped into the 50s. That's a big thing for him because he's been looking at that for a while. I think okay. if we can wake up next week and see him to 46, 47, I'm, I'm just about ready to just salute there. I think that's just about done. Because right at the moment it, in the Masters, you've got Jason Day, Adam Scott, Mark Leishman and Smith. That's it for Australia. But it's, it's quite a low number this yeah, year. Yeah, okay. Um, any, any, any comment on Patrick Reid wearing the black and the red on Sunday? Yeah, I've got lots to say about Patrick Reed, Andy, at any given moment. But yeah, I think um, I know he's done it to pay. He says to pay homage, homage to yeah, Tiger. Yeah. Okay, so you know, I I think it's um, understandable. I think it's cheeky. Hmm. I do think he's aligned with Nike, so he probably hasn't got a total say in what he wears. And they're friends, aren't they? Uh, I can't imagine they're not friends. But that's Tiger's but, thing. But hmm. that, I hundred percent agree with that, Andy. I mean, let the. I mean, seriously, that that's. It's poor form. I reckon it is. I reckon I, it is. It's, it's not, a tiny little thing, so I'm not going to get too carried away about it. Is, it is. It is tiny, but it's Patrick Reed. I was hoping there'd be a playoff. At one stage there was shaping that it could have happened, that he could have got one ahead of Casey and Tiger could have you know, done a couple of things down the stretch. And Imagine the two of them shaking hands on the tee and Tiger looking at him wearing the black and red going, yeah. yeah. What would Tiger... I mean, honestly, what would Tiger have thought? Again, it... I know there'll be people listening. Come on, fellas. There's yeah. better things to talk about than this. But there's just something about. I thought. I don't know whether no, I, agree. I want to like what he's doing or or not. I tell you what. As I, I've always liked Tiger, and we've gone down this path already. This this uh, little podcast, but I've I've never warmed to Patrick Reed. So it's going to take someone a lot of convincing. Patrick, for me, I'm a world top five player. Yeah, really. yeah. Who, yeah. who yeah. right at this moment is ranked? Let's just have a look. Somewhere twenty three. Yeah, twenty three in the world. There you go. Yeah. He's a good player. He's a good player. But yeah, he's a good player. He's a good player. We they don't all... have time to talk about uh, American golf crowds, Andy. I oh, know please, that's one no, of your can't... pet subjects. But someone yelled out to Tiger. Uh, I'm not sure whether it's... Does your husband play too? Because he left a uh, putt short, which you is a slight on Velpa... women anyway. Were you at the but... Velspar, Hazy? You weren't there, were you, by any chance? <laughs> it's kind of a bar room sort of, uh, you know, back, on, out Mary. the back of uh, on, public Mary. course. It's uh, shocking. You know, 
sledge, isn't it? But someone actually yelled it out. He didn't respond. Well, at all. in this age of equal opportunity and encouraging women to the game, we've got to just get a bit better, don't we? Yeah, we sledges. Do. You know, we've got to change our... Speaking At least of... it wasn't Bubba Booey or, oh, you no. know, get in the hole from oh. someone hitting off a 400-metre par four. <laughs> Complete morons. Well, to that end, Corey Connors uh, on the Saturday... Uh, it was an, he was writing an unbelievable story for himself. He capitulated he a bit on the final round, but uh, he's unusual the way he plays. But it was great watching him for three days. He missed a he missed a par putt on the veterans hole, whatever the fourteenth, fourteenth, yeah. yeah, Canadian, yeah, yeah, um, who no one ever heard of, right? So he missed a par putt as you know the Americans and Tigers sort of gathering around him, and as the putt slipped by the hole, all you could hear almost a chorus. USA, USA, coming from the gallery, directed straight at Corey Connors in the delight that a Canadian had missed a par putt that gave an American, uh, according to them at the time, a chance to win the tournament. Now, Brits ended up winning it, so cop that. But um, (laughs) it's the sort of stuff I suggested at the time to the one person or two people who saw my tweet, (laughs) chuck them out. Like, chuck these people out. Because that's just poor. That's poor form. Yeah, that's just poor form. And Corey Connors, and he was a—he's not unknown to a lot of people here because he came out and played the Australian Amateur a couple of years ago and was absolutely awesome. Great. There's no surprise to me to see him there, and he's an even better person than he is golfer. Really? So, yeah, Great. Yeah. Terrific. Hopefully, we'll see a lot more of him. He's had a couple. You are of... biased about Canadians, though, Hazy. Oh, Slight biased, right. yeah, but uh, we're okay. Yeah. Uh, Rory missed the cut. Um, he's now shot six consecutive rounds of at least two over par. Uh, his putting numbers are a joke. Through two rounds, he ranked 140th and 143 players in, in terms of strokes gained putting. Uh, he keeps saying that it all feels good in practice and that you know he, he hits the course full of confidence, but he's putting like a bloke who can't read greens, can't see lines, uh, missing putts by far long, far, far greater margins and a player of his ability and I'm not talking 50 footers I'm talking 12 footers yeah. he's he's hitting a lot of putts that should be either going on a hit in the lip I'm led to believe that he's changed his putter quite a few times in the last 12 months as Searching, well so he's boring. looking for something that's not there yeah I wonder whether he's well he had an injury last year I mean he, he's you know he's having a real rough trot he's... there's no doubt He's better than that. He's number thirteen in the world. Which, yeah, uh, he's, uh, he's 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 these players go through these little phases, don't they? Where they they just for some reason they lose a bit of their their game, and it'll just be interesting to see how quickly Rory McIlroy can get it back. And if you look at the if you look at the world rankings, like most of the guys at the top echelon of world golf have had a period of brilliance and a period of trauma, mm. uh, and it makes you appreciate you know the the. the Tiger and Greg Norman and those guys who have managed to hold that mantle for so long. Um, it's a hard... We all praise Jason Day and Adam Scott for getting there, but they realistically they didn't hold it for too long with the, with the world coming at them and so many things happening off off course in their lives, not potting them at all, but it's a hard position to hold. We thought McElroy was going to be the next coming four years ago. Absolutely. He looked un like bulletproof, totally yeah. bulletproof. Yep. And he's so far from bulletproof right now. He's in... Uh, it, he he'd be lucky to make the cut if they started right now at the Masters. Well, it's well that's right, and you, you, that's right. And speaking of blokes who just drop off the map, I read another one, and he's not in that stratosphere at all. But it wasn't that long ago that a kid by the name of Smiley Kaufman, Kaufman was sort of raised, were all raising a few eyebrows and thinking that he was in the mix to sort of start to do something pretty significant. He's sixty three over in his last five starts. 
63. This guy that was winning on the PJ Tour not that long ago, 63 over in his last five starts, Molly Kaufman. So it can it can not, players can lose it pretty quickly, can't I'm they? I'm not actually sure there's a game of any sport where really good players can actually lose it to that extent. Exactly, exactly. You know, and you talk yep. about a, a Steve Bowditch, for for instance, uh, from our players who could go over, you know, go over to the tour and just can't can't find. You know, couldn't hit a, a barn with a handful uh, of sand, yeah. you know. So uh, just elsewhere, web.com, uh, Martin Trainer, never heard of Martin Trainer, American guy wins over there at 14 under. But Stewie Appleby grinding away, tied 18, Reen Gibson tied 25, Cam Percy tied 39 over there. Uh, did you see the tournament? It's in your golf out of Delhi on the European tour. Oh, yeah, a little. So they played that Delhi. It doesn't look course. like Delhi, does it? I played that course. Have you? Yeah, it's, yeah, I was lucky enough to get on there after the Con Games in 2010. Um, it's it's an interesting golf course, but some of the commentary about the number of rocks on the golf course that were, <laughs> I think it was it was either John Huggin or Eddie Pepper, I can't remember who, but one of them said, "Is Barney was Barney Rubble the course oh, designer yeah. <laughs> of this joint in Delhi? There's how many rocks around the joint?" <laughs> and the uh, the beef almost won that. He did. Got beaten, yeah, got beaten in a playoff by a guy called Matt Wallace, who's a good young English player, who I don't know whether this was a pointed tweet, but he put out a tweet after winning saying, I just want to thank everyone at Titleist. He jumped onto the Titleist ball two weeks ago, uh, and he reckons he's never hit it better. That my game's gone to a new level. I want to thank everyone at Titleist. The Titleist ball's amazing, blah, blah. So just in the, you know, in, with the conversation that's rolling around the world at the moment, the fact that... He just whacked another zero on his contract. There you go, there you go. Um, this is Inside the Rose. Matt Kaminsky about to join us. Don't forget, uh, listeners can subscribe to us. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, Hazy, we'd also love some listeners to, who enjoy the show to leave a review on iTunes. These things are very important, apparently. Algorithms love them. We're currently at 79 five-star reviews, I'm told. Uh, so let's try to get to 100 in the next couple of weeks. And as we've always done, uh, we don't mind reading out uh, the odd favourable review. So that's your domain. It is. Uh, and John Deapice is a big big fan. Or the the five, Piche. The Piche. I don't know. What you know. I apologise. We're not sure if you're French or Italian background there. <laughs> We're not really sure. So John, our good mate John, thank you very much. Five-star review. Um, this is to you probably a bit, Blakey, this, this one this morning. You've had a bit of a lash at things. <laughs> Great podcast. I do enjoy listening in. You might consider going easy on the US tour bashing. That's, that's clearly you, Hazy. No. He's talking about there. And it's, seri- it's, it's got to be hazy. I would have seri- thought so. <laughs> uh, anyway, seriously, uh, great to have Tiger back in the mix, I think he says here. Having said all that, the diversity of opinion that I like to hear, keep up the good work. Good on you, Thanks John. very much, John. We appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, so this is Inside the Ropes. If you leave a five-star review, uh, we will read your name out. And <laughs> it's not just, well, we, we don't mind them. They're very nice. We'll get a break out of the way. Some unbelievable news. Uh, our time this morning. Uh, Tiger Woods and Ernie Els have been named the captains of the President's Cup to be out here in Australia next December. Maybe as we go to the break, we might have a listen to Tiger, who did the rounds of Australian media, spoke to the boys on SEN Breakfast about what it means to be the captain and what it means to be coming back to Melbourne as well. I remember one thing. It was about a 190 degrees, and then the next day it was felt like it was about ready to snow. And so... <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, what, what Mel- the city of Melbourne can do. Uh, the weather can change very quickly, and, and you know, we uh, playing outside have to make some serious adjustments. Playing the last, man, it, it felt good to be able to have an opportunity to, uh, you know, to force a playoff. But just to be in the mix again, yeah. I've, it's been 
so long since I've been a part of a golf a golf tournament on the back nine on a Sunday. And it just felt so great to be a part of it again. Hi, this is Sherelle McMahon. Swing Fit is the fun, healthy, social way for women to get started in golf. You'll learn the basics of the golf swing and how to putt over a six-week program and get your whole body moving through yoga and Pilates-style exercises. You don't need any golf knowledge or equipment. Simply turn up in comfy clothing and get started. You'll be surrounded by like-minded people and receive constant support. So get outdoors, meet new friends and learn a sport that you can play for the rest of your life. To find a program near you, visit swingfit.com.au. G'day guys, it's Brian Russell here. I know I'm a long way from home, playing on the Latin America tour and living in the US, but I keep up with all my Australian golf by looking inside the road. Welcome back to the show. Well, there's been unbelievable buzz uh, already. You've heard from Tiger and Ernie, who have spoken to uh, radio outlets around Australia about the President's Cup, and we are delighted to see Matt Kaminsky, who's the Executive Director of the President's Cup, amongst so many other things in the world of golf, back in Australia, uh, with a very busy 18 months coming up of international golf in our fair city. Matt, great to have you on the show. Thanks, Andy. Thanks, uh, guys. Thanks, Mark and Martin. Thanks for having me. It's his spiritual home. Well, he should never leave. (laughs) No, he shouldn't. He should never leave. I mean, he's played a game of footy. Yeah. He talks more about St Kilda than he does Tiger Woods. Correct. So he should never leave the place. No, I think we should amend your passport. At very, at very least, you're an honorary Who do I need to talk to? Can you make that happen, Mark? <laughs> yeah, no problems at all. <laughs> Have you picked up any sort of accent, Matt, when you go back home to the States? Do you? People say, ah, oh, what's that? Yeah, my wife, my wife gives me a hard time when I'm, I'm here. I, I start, how you going? And uh, what's <laughs> yeah. going on? And, and uh, she's like, good. you just start to talk Australian when you're here. And you just, when it depends on who you're talking to. Even so. the suburb you moved into, you're called Bowie. I'm in Bowie, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And First, I lived in I lived in Brighton before. There you go. There you go. Now the most important question I have for you, and uh, there's a lot to talk to you about on the way through to you know end of next year when President's Cup gets here. But where to get the can- where they get the kangaroos from for the publicity shoot over <laughs> in the states? From the uh, from the the zoo over there in Orlando. So I think right. it was from actually Disney, the the Disney zoo. So. Yeah. Any, any issues over there that we need to know about? No, no, uh, <laughs> no. I think one might have a. Uh, I had a little bit of an accident on her knee, but we'll see. Uh, no, I, <laughs> little ribbing going back and forth now already. So between the two captains, but um, no, it's uh, <laughs> it was good. To, it was a good gig. That only happened oh, like a couple amazing. nights ago, so that was, it's so it was pretty fun. That's great, and you can sense, can't you, that the enthu- it, it, it it breaks through. It it crosses. This is one of those sort of trans potentially transcendent events that golf that any sport needs. You can sing to the heartland and preach to the converted all you like. But events like you know the Ryder Cup and the Presidents Cup and the majors, they they're the they're the watershed moments that can bring a new audience in. And when you hear um, non-golf you know, radio guys talking to Tiger and Ernie, and you get a sense for and we get a sense for how enthused they become about it, well, that's the chance to bring the next market into the game. Without a doubt, I mean, I think uh, these events, these team events, and then the Presidents Cup is uh, right there. It um, transcends the sport in a sense and it, it goes beyond just the game and um while the, the competition's fantastic the players are fantastic and we wouldn't have it without them and the captains are are great but it, it brings everything that's good about the game uh you know the the, the camaraderie the um honesty integrity but mm. the leadership of, of of these players and uh the charitable aspect uh these guys aren't playing for for money they're playing for for the the charities that they support and their and their teammates they're playing for their countries 
um, but also the the world leaders that have supported this event. You know, we've uh, ever since 1998 when we were here for the first time, uh, the current head of the state has always been the the honorary chairman for the event. So I think I just saw that Bill Clinton tweeted about Tiger Woods and Ernie Els being the 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 captains for the 2019 event. So that's that's big. It, it goes beyond just the game. And you think about the the folks like you just said, Gary and Tim, getting excited about Tiger and Ernie, and yeah. just about the President's Cup. Um, I think it goes beyond uh, uh, just the game and, and, and the core fan. Well, the President's Cup's had some unbelievable names as captains. I mean, right from the very start. Twelve of our 14 captains are uh, Hall of Fame members. Yeah, it's extraordinary. It sounds like almost we're denigrating Nick Price or Greg Norman or, or um, you know, Freddie Couples on the American side, others who have held the mantle. But Tiger's just special, isn't he? And Ernie, too, for that matter. But Tiger's just next level. I think I, I just said both these guys are next level when it, when it comes to um, what they've meant to the sport over the last 20 years, 25 years. Um, they've uh, combined for 97 uh, PGA Tour championships. I mean, that's a that's amazing. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of these guys that are going to be on the team in 2019 are playing because of Ernie Els and Tiger Woods yeah. and because of what they've seen those guys do over the last 20 years and their their duels and you just for the President's Cup alone you look at 2003 and I, I say that that's probably 1998 was the first watershed moment but 2003 was really what set the President's Cup apart at and, Fancourt yeah. yeah at Fancourt and, uh, links at Fancourt when we finished in a tie uh, it showed that the event can do that it showed that it was bigger than just the competition and you know these guys while they they babble it out. They came together and said, "This is what's good for the game of golf. We got to finish in a tie because um, this is about the teams and um, about our charities and about what's what's good for the game." Still, one of the greatest matches you oh. could ever wish to see. I mean, the, I was the there. Tr- Were you really? I was there. So, uh, what was it? What, what must have the, been unbelievable. It's one of the best things I've ever seen. So they played the, uh, you know, they drew the the names out of an envelope. Gary Player and Jack Nicholas pulled the names out of an envelope, and we all we all basically knew. Who it was? Because if you think back to two hundred three, Ernie was in a bit of a, a hot streak at the time, and he was really challenging Tiger as the best player, really. So Tiger had obviously had that two thousand period where he was unstoppable, but Ernie was was really playing exceptionally well. They come out, they play. It's getting dark. They play three holes of a playoff, make some unbelievable putts, both of incredible. them, but made incredible you know par saving putts and stuff like that. And it got too dark. And uh, I remember Bernie Pramberg from the Courier Mail and I were we were out there with the crowd on the. The third green, I think it was, uh, you know, as they, you know, they, they had to sort of try and work out what to do with the event, and they decided to call it a tie. But it was absolutely one of the best things I've ever seen. Yeah, how, how dark was it? Because it doesn't look so bad on TV. Yeah, not not possible to play yeah. anymore. I mean, they, I guess, the debate at the time was that they could have come back. You know, maybe they could have come back the next day and played. A lot of people said that they should have come back the next day, but there were players and uh, caddies and staff and people like that were all ready to get out and no one had sort of forecast that that, that would actually happen. So yeah. I think in the end it was a pretty good good result. But uh, Matt, I was just wondering if you could talk us through how you got those two captains because yeah. I think you were yeah. telling me before about how, how Tiger came through, which was really interesting. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, Tiger just mentioned it when we did the press conference uh, this morning. Um, you know, really that, as, as far as Tiger goes, it, he probably wasn't, he's always been on our radar as somebody that we'd, we'd love to have uh, come about and be a captain, but, you know, he's he's 42 right now, and, you know, obviously, as we saw last week, he's, he's, he's starting to come back as a player, and um, in my mind, I, 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 I always knew that he would do that, so, um, <laughs> or believe that he would do that, or hope that he would do that, uh, but uh, Tiger, actually, I think, uh, as he said, he was trading texts with Freddie and Jim Furyk and Steve Stricker and Davis Love, and they were just kind of group tests after after the 2017 event at Liberty National. And um, 
you know, somebody said, you're, you're probably on the short list. And at that time, Tiger really hadn't thought about it, but I think he really did enjoy these last two times serving as a vice captain with, with Davis um, in the Ryder Cup and then in the President's Cup for Steve. Um, enjoyed being in those team rooms, and, you know, it really clicked with them. And, you know, the next week he called Commissioner Monahan and actually said, hey, you know, Jay, would you would you consider me being the captain for the U.S. team? And Tiger, <laughs> Imagine taking that phone call. <laughs> I think Tiger said that there was dead silence, and then um, – Jay said, I think we might be able to make that work. It's so, uh, <laughs> um, a great story. It's awesome. <laughs> he's probably dancing a little bit. But, no, it's, uh, it's, it's great. And, um, you know, again, it's just, it comes back to, to have somebody of, um, that has meant so much to the game of golf, uh, not just the PGA Tour, but the, the, the game in general uh, and the growth of the game. And, like I said before, seeing these young guys that are playing because of Tiger Woods and these guys that choose different sp- the game of golf as opposed to going and playing a different sport because of Tiger Woods. He's going to be leading these men in the in the battle here at the at the 2019 event, and that's great. And for Ernie, um, you know, Ernie was really uh, probably the the one that we really knew would be next in line. It was, um, you know, I think he just needed to get um, the playing out of him and, and get mm-hmm. in there as a as a you know feel being a, a captain, being uh, you know as as a captain's assistant uh, this past past year, and let the guys see him doing that because he was still on the playing side of it, and it was probably tough for. Um, uh, him to walk away from that but i think being at the 2017 event and and really he took the reins and, and helped nick out tremendously and um i think the guys on the international team saw that the adams the jasons and they were like wow you know okay we want ernie so hey a hypothetical uh so tiger as captain uh gets his you know there's 10 picks taken off the world rankings for the uh actually eight now we changed that uh, sorry so eight, eight but he gets two captain's picks you know What's going to happen if he's not in the first eight? He might have to pick himself. <laughs> he did say, you know, I don't I have to negotiate with myself uh, yeah. in his interview. So, um, yeah, so that we made those format changes, and that was uh, part of the um, the uh, agreement between uh, Ernie and, and Tiger as we were going through this to, to get them to, to be captains. But um, we're changing uh, the qualification to where it's eight off the World Golf Rankings, uh, and then, uh, and that's at the uh, the Tour Championship time, uh, which will be end of August, um, oh, I, I think. Um, so, depending on uh, 2019 schedule, I think there's some changes. August, September is when that'll happen, um, and then uh, they'll have four captains picks later on that year, um, probably sometime shortly before the event. So, we were pretty vocal on that, um, Alison Whitaker and myself at the time, especially um, of Liberty National last year about the format changes i've been the biggest advocate for president's cup for the longest time but seemed to me that you know and you you really needed another advantage with tiger coming on too matt but uh (laughs) the the americans had had reached this sort of you know absolutely powerful position and i mean that literally Mm. like you were an absolute force so we were speculating about things like having a mixed one taking in the the women's Mm. power from this region um or some more radical changes anyhow was any thought given to anything more substantial than what's happened? Uh, yeah, I mean, we're always looking at uh, any way that we can make the event better, obviously, um, and, and uh, more compelling uh, for the audiences out there and for the fans, but also better for the players and um, overall. But look, the, the event is so young. We've only played it 12 times, and mm. uh, it's come so far in the, in the 12 times that we've yep. that we've played it. Um, the record may not show that it's been as competitive, but it's been a lot more competitive than than the record really. Uh, you know, that, that tell it doesn't tell the whole story of how competitive it's been. Um, and I, you know, I think we just need to give it time. These uh, these markets are emerging. Uh, we've got golfers coming up that are so young and from so many different places that are. Uh, going to play well, and, and the international team. I think they're going to they're going to come good, and they're going to they're going to start playing. And I know Ernie is is 
uh, is ready to bring these guys together more often in advance um, of the event and and really try to get them to come together as a team because that's been the knock for a long yeah. time is that the U.S. guys they get to play together all the time and you know they get you know get two shots at it every other year or every year basically they get a shot at it um, and it's harder for the international team bringing cultures together and stuff mm-hmm. like that but I I know that. Ernie's Ernie's focused on that, and he, he's going to make sure that he's going to bring the guys down here that want to be here and want to win and and, and want to play uh, on that team together. So I, you know, would we ever look at other things? I I think it would be another event. I don't think it would be the Presidents Cup changing yeah. to that. Okay. So just um, pushing on from what you just said there, um, different tack to my previous question. In 2011, um, Ernie and next to no pro in the world, and I'm including some of the Australian legends. No. Royal Melbourne better than Ernie. I mean, he's a, he's a freak show at Royal Melbourne. He still have the course record. Of yeah, the he does course. sixty yeah, yeah. on the composite. Yeah. Um, well, it's going the to Heineken t- Classic was that? Yeah, I think it was Heineken. It's going to it's going to be a you know a, <laughs> a long time. I think until that one's erased, you can't imagine a fifty nine going on at Royal Melbourne. But um, in twenty eleven, I watched with horror as a <laughs> massive international team fan when he was showing Rio Ishikawa the the lines and stuff to hit on the first morning. Um, and there was a bit of a knock on Rio afterwards. But we're not going to see that. It, in, it, given what you just said, that's the thing of the past, isn't it? Like he'll have people here preparing and ready to rumble and knowing every blade of grass on Royal Melbourne. I, I think that's what he's going to you know, try to get these guys excited about that that way. And um, I, I know that he made the mention this morning that um, you know with the World Cup coming here, the World Cup of Golf coming to Metropolitan, obviously not playing at Royal Melbourne, but playing on another Sandbelt golf course. Um, he's encouraging. He's going to encourage his international players to play for their countries Great. and come down and play awesome. in that format, uh, and just to get a, get a feel for the sandbox golf courses. And so, hopefully, they they come and they might go play a practice round over at Royal Melbourne during that time, but uh, in advance of uh, competing in the World Cup of Golf. So, um, you know, to get those guys uh, from Thailand, from South Africa, from Australia, obviously, but um, you get the the guys from. Um, all the Japan, you know, you saw Hideki and, and Rio play here um, last year, and uh, mm. tw- I mean, 2016, and um, they enjoyed it. And I think, uh, you know, with Ernie's uh, pushing, hopefully they'll come back and, and support the World Cup of Golf and in advance of the Presidents Cup in, in December of 19. So he mentioned, other than the World Cup, Ernie mentioned, you know, that he'd like to see um, the international team play some foursomes and four balls before he gets here. Have you spoken to him about that? How do you envisage that happening? No, I haven't spoken to him, but I know that uh, our teams back in the States have uh, spoken to Ernie about ideas of ways to um, uh, get these guys together more often outside of just at a practice round at a golf tournament or something like that, at a tournament that they're all competing in. So um, there's ideas floating around, but I, I know Ernie's um, going to make sure that when they do show up here in December of 2019, his team's ready to go. More broadly on the PGA's kind of vision going forward, and it's a really busy schedule, but is there a willingness to embrace more team golf um, outside of the major teams events to incorporate some team event play within the PGA Tour schedule? Well, we know we had the event, uh, the Zurich event in, mm. uh, in New Orleans that um, went to that format uh, it was last year, I think it last was. And, it's um, great to watch. It's it's great, and I think you know it, it's different for the fans. That's what make these event makes these events so so great for for fans for mm. players is that it's different. You know, it's 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 going out and um, you know playing a different type of golf than you're you're used to playing. Obviously, you guys play um, Stableford here all the time, and um, uh, but that's not something that we do in the states very often, and so it's it's unique. And I think these guys to be able to come out and uh, play in that uh, that format and um, do it, uh, yeah. Well, I think we'll always look at, it, but the the traditional seventy two stroke play, I, I think that's what really test is it's the best test of um, you know a champion golfer. So I think um, that's always going to be the 
tried and true tested format. Can I look, just going back to something you were saying about Tiger before, what what he's meant to the game. Mm. To, we won't hold you for too much longer, but but I wonder whether anyone's got a sense or any more than that, maybe an insight into what these guys meant to Tiger, and that's why he's so committed to participating in Ryder Cup as you know player, obviously, and now assistant captain, captain of the Presidents Cup. I mean, when he was, uh, you know, kind of estranged from the game. I wonder how tight the bond was between he and a lot of the guys that he competes with and against. And I wonder whether that somehow gives him that um, unbreakable link to representing American team golf. Oh, I, I would, I would undoubtedly. I mean, I think, you know, he's, he keeps in contact with all these guys. Yeah. And, um, you know, they, they're texting each other all the time. I think I, I mentioned before, I think Justin Thomas mentioned it after that Honda classic, um, when he won, uh, you know, going into that weekend, except the last day, right? yeah, yeah, no, yeah, he'd always get that text message when he's leading or, uh, you know, has a chance to win from Tiger, but Tiger was in contention too, so he didn't get a text message from Tiger. So <laughs> that was a great story, they, wasn't you know, it? Was it was a great story. story. <laughs> um, you know, but you know, they're they, they're they're good friends. I mean, and and you look at the um, the the guys that have been captains before, and and the guys that. Uh, from that generation, the the Freddie couples, the Steve Strickers, the Jim Furyks, um, Davis Love, uh, that's how that came about for Tiger to be here. I and mean, these guys communicate, and they 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 they're just good friends off the golf course. And yes, I think Tiger had the itch to get back and be a part of. He enjoyed that side of the game and and that opportunity to be in that with the, these young guys. And I think for these young guys that have really started playing the game because of Tiger and Ernie, but because of Tiger, mm. uh, it's going to be an amazing. I think just. Um, Scene to see. Oh, well, there's no I doubt mean, about something that. to see. Just how that all uh, no unfolds over that. the next eighteen, uh, nineteen months. Yep. You can see the reverence with which he holds Arnold Palmer's event this week. Like he's spoken about, you know, the mm. desire to get back there and just honour Arnie because he hasn't been able to do it mm-hmm. since before Arnie passed away. I think it was 2013, maybe when he last how played. Many times, how many times he won there? Eight. Eight. I think. Eight times, yeah. yeah. And you can hear, you know, obviously Arnold's got a history with the Presidents Cup and and all these guys that Tiger reveres. Um, they've all come through a, a sort of a lineage of Presidents Cup in the last twenty five years, haven't they? So yeah, I mean that's these guys grew up. So this this generation that's playing in the Presidents Cup and Ryder Cups now, they grew up watching Tiger in the Presidents yeah, of Cup, not and they saw the two thousand three event and Tiger and Ernie. They, I mean, the Jordan Spieth and those guys saw him. Yeah, uh, those guys go down in that in that playoff, and um, you know I think going back to just Arnold Palmer as he captained the event in nineteen ninety six uh, as a winning captain at Robert Trent Jones uh, in uh, just outside of uh, DC, he. Um, you know, Tiger made the comment that he needed to get on to his, his other commitments at Arnold Palmer. That's why he wasn't going to do anything more here um, because he wanted to give uh, give their uh, free air and stuff like that. But also I think uh, he made that comment on the, on the radio this morning um, as well with the other guys that uh, um, he – he didn't want to focus on the Masters until he got through Arnie's event. That was interesting. That's why he's it? here. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he wants to. He wants to focus yeah. on Arnie's event. This is, you know, I want to give, pay homage to him to so, some respects, and um, you know, I think he, it's he reveres those guys. So that's great. That'd be very tough for you, Matt, if uh, Tiger comes out wins the Masters this year, then wins the Masters next year, gets back <laughs> into the top few, and then he's coming down to play in the Presidents Cup. That'd be really tough. <laughs> Be so tough, wouldn't it? <laughs> be tough for all the golf fans down here too. Yeah, yeah, be, 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 but what sort of crowds would you expect at a Presidents Cup here? And what what were they last time? I remember there were a lot of people out. Oh, there. we had a lot of people out there. And look, there's not a lot of golf really when you when you think about it. There's only only 30 matches now. Back in uh, 2011, we had 34 matches. So uh, we we've gone backwards uh, since um, since then. Um, but 
I'd, I'd say our goal is to, to have more people than we had in 2011. So our goal is to, to raise the bar and, and attract more more fans, different different people, different fans, not yeah, just absolutely. a core golf fan. We want we want people. This is a big event. It's it's not just golf. And um, I think you see that when you go to other uh, big events uh, around the world and globally. They, you know, it's not just about uh, the competition, which it is. I mean, that's we, we, we love it, but I mean, there's a lot of things to do out there. There's a lot of things for families, a lot of things for uh, people that are uh, enjoy their food and their um, uh, just just different uh, entertainment opportunities. So that are event seekers, not not just golf seekers. Oh, golf tournaments are getting way better at yeah. catering to that mm-hmm. market, that part of the market, than just the hardcore golf fan who wants to walk around and follow their favourite group. So there's no question that golf's getting better at that as every year goes by. Matt, I assume there's no tickets on sale yet, but what would, you know, this through the radio stations and on the podcast, this is obviously going around Australia. I'm presuming you, you know, reach out to everyone around Australia to get down to Melbourne at the end of 2019. Well, how do they do it? What do they go? What do they... Yeah, just go to presidentscup.com and uh, you'll find information. We're not on sale yet and we won't be on sale for a little while. Um, but uh, I, I do encourage if you're a golf fan, but even just an event fan, uh, as we look towards the World Cup of Golf in November this year as well. So you're going to, that's your first glimpse of getting some of these, uh, you know, there you've got 56 best players in the world from 28 different countries uh playing for a big big amount of money but also playing for their countries coming down here you should if uh to support them you get the europeans that'll be down here and uh the the, the field that we had in 2016 i think mm. it's only going to be better um uh, especially when you when you got a captain like ernie Els encouraging those guys to come down and, and play that could possibly make the president's cup team so uh we got two great world-class events coming over the next uh 18 uh, 19 months to melbourne and that's just a indicative of this the great Sandbelt region and what, what Melbourne does for events and what um, the, the state of Victoria does. So we're excited about being here. And, um, you know, I think people got some great, great opportunities to see the, the best players in the world. Murray, with, with um, this is the elephant in the room. I mean, we're all happy with Jay Monahan and due respect to Jay, but, you know, we've been silently sort of pushing for Matt to be the new commissioner of the PGA yes, Tour have. for yes, years now. Yes, it's have. very disappointing you didn't get that nod, Matt. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you've got anything to say about that publicly. Uh, all I have to say is that, uh, you know, that's uh, that's that job is perfect for Jay Monahan. And he's, uh, he's perfect for that job, and he's uh, uh, I could, we couldn't ask for a better person to, to succeed Tim Fincham, who was uh, amazing. So, um that's the most diplomatic thing. No, on. it's, it's no, true. He's, he's amazing. And you guys will get to know him. He'll be down here uh, before the event. And um, you couldn't ask for uh, somebody who's got uh, better forward thinking and, and taking uh, the PGA Tour to the next level, really. I mean, Tim brought it to where it is, Dean before him, and um, Jay is going to take it to new heights. He's amazing. So in all seriousness, though, like he's been a massive advocate for you know taking the tour around. He hasn't got there perhaps to Australia yet, but... He's spoken so highly of Australia when I've heard him speak. Absolutely, and he hasn't. Been, yeah, you're right. He hasn't been here. I know he's very excited about coming down here. As um, it's about taking this event global. Look, we're the most global tour. I mean, we've got the most players. You know, what is it? Seventy some odd uh, players from different countries playing on the PGA Tour. More than that, 120 or something like that. And they're they're, um, uh, you know, it's it's growing every day. And that's the tour that everybody wants to get to. And um, we need to do a better job of of marketing our tour in general. Uh, to the uh, to the different countries, we've opened an office. We're here in Melbourne for for these two events. We've got an office in Japan. We've got an office in uh, Kuala Lumpur. We've got an office in China. Uh, opening an office in London. So there's uh, a lot of things going on with the PGA Tour, and um, it is uh, you know his his vision is global, um, and it's uh, but it's also it's fan first. It's about it's about making it uh, the best product for the fans, and you'll see that through what we do in the media space, but uh, also what we do on site with these two events and other events around the world. So. Well, the fans have got a lot to look forward to, uh, starting with the World Cup in November and then uh, the President's Cup uh, next December. It's going to be phenomenal. We 
uh, excited about what we've heard and seen today, Matt, and we yeah. can't wait. We just can't wait. So I can't wait either, Andy and, uh, and Mark and Martin. Thanks for having me. This is uh, I mean, it's going to be great. Hopefully, have a lot more conversations over the next. I'm uh, sure we months. will. I'm sure we'll have a game of golf at some stage. Absolutely. Too. And next time you play a game of footy, we'll all come along. We'll stand in the outer <laughs> and just we'll heckle you from the, from training, the other side so. of the fence. All right. Matt Kaminsky, Executive Director of the President's Cup, joining us on Inside the Ropes. G'day, I'm my golf ambassador, Jason Dave. I'm really excited to be an ambassador for my golf, Australian Golf's National Junior Program, jointly run by Golf Australia and the PGA. My golf is every Aussie kid's first step on their golfing pathway. It's all about teaching children the basic skills of golf in a safe and healthy environment. And just as importantly, about the life skills that golf can teach you that distinguish our sport from the rest. Remember to visit mygolf.org.au for more information. G'day guys, this is Jared Lyle. As you all know, I've got a bit of time up my sleeve lately and I kill it by listening to Inside the Ropes to get all my golf news from around the world. Welcome back to the show. Great to have Matt Kaminsky not only uh, on Inside the Ropes again, but back in Australia. He's got a lot of work to do and a lot of really exciting work to do, he and his team, in the next 18 or 19 months with the World Cup coming up and the President's Cup. Hazy, you, you, you do. You are an official card-carrying member of the President's Cup fan club and you mentioned that with Matt on the way through. Yeah. But your relationship and love for the event was tested to a degree last year. Yeah, it was for the first time. Because um, I, as Matt says, it's been building historically uh, in its, um, you know, it's twenty years, twenty odd years of running. It's been building, and I thought at Korea. I thought, oh, we're we're heading in the right direction here, twenty fifteen. But last year, I I bled watching that, and I, you know, it was a combination of American fans and mm. just guys not being able to fire a shot. Um, the, the ones that we were banking on, let alone the guys at the bottom of the order in the international team. And it just it really got to me. Um, and, you know, Ali and I on these very podcast waves, Andy, you know, we we mentioned something needs to be done. And I'd gotten to that point reluctantly because I am a huge President's Cup fan. Mm. I really want to see us stick it up the Americans one day. So, no offence, Matt, if you're listening as you're driving <laughs> away. Think he would like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what it's all about. Absolutely, though. It's a legitimate competition. But listening to Matt this morning and getting the news from Orlando, I was pumped again. So, you know, I've got to fall on my sword for the second time in this show today and, um, you know, re-confess my love for the event because I can't wait for what Tiger is going to bring in the next 18 months. He may or may not play at Royal Melbourne. Who knows? It'd be awesome if he did. Um, But I just think the very fact that the needle of general media moves, not golf media, when he's around, just puts that whole President's Cup on a different level. Andy, there is a, quite a bit of cynicism in the media about the President's Cup. You'll hear a lot of people, I was looking at a, you know one of the US websites yesterday and they, they had a whole discussion about how to fix the, Ameri- uh, the President's Cup and stuff like that. People look at the record, which is 10 out of 12 competitions have been won by the United States and one other was tied. The, the international has only ever won it once, which is... An issue for the competition, there's no doubt. But to me, it's kind of, to use a very modern expression, which gets overused, it is what it is. It's an exhibition event of teams golf, which we don't see very much, and it's the best. Mm. It's the best. So the the public come out and see it. I mean, Hazy, we were there in 2011. There were massive crowds out mm. there, and people were really excited to see Tiger, Bubba, all those guys, DJ, uh, playing against Jason Day, Adam Scott, you know, I remember Aaron Baddeley playing there. You know, it, it was it was an awesome event for a city that doesn't, or a country that doesn't see this much 
great golf. So uh, it's going to be really hard, Hazy and Mari, for the internationals again. If you look, just look quick look at the world rankings this morning. So the top eight get automatic selection. The first international player you get to is Ezeki Matsuyama at number six. The Americans have got one, two, and four. DJ. Uh-huh. Thomas and Spieth. They've got number seven and eight as well. You get down to the eighth pick would be Kucher at number 20, Matt Kucher. If you get down to number eight for the internationals, you're talking Adam Hadwin from Canada at number 42. This is where it gets difficult, but it's interesting what Matt was saying. You know, they've they've made some tweaks. Ernie Els has obviously been on, on about this for a few years, saying that they needed to change the format. So every player must play one match at least prior to the singles on the last day. So what that, mean, what, what that means is that they're able to hide a player. Okay. If yep. he's out of yep. form yep. or if he's a low-ranked player that they've had to put in the team and he's not that great, he's not playing that great, you, you only have to play him once. Yep. So Ernie's, So that's a little tweak that's there. It'll be interesting to see. Look, the Americans will probably win it, Hazy. Yeah, they've got to start warm favourites. I mean, they're an awesome, they're an awesome combination right now. But I think... In addition to that rule change, Blakey, the four captains' picks is going to work in favour yeah. of the international team. Um, it's not going to diminish the Americans, but it just could strengthen the international team. Yeah. And and Ernie's uh, already public utterances about practising four-ball foursomes, getting the team together, all this stuff augurs well. So let's hope. Let's... Likewise, Hazy and Blakey, I'd suggest that if I was in Ernie Els's shoes, given the fact that... Um, Australia, Melbourne, Sandbelt in in summer is a unique challenge. The way golf gets played on those courses is a unique challenge. Royal Melbourne is a course that the more you play it, the better you get at it. I would think that if there are Australians who aren't close to the top eight uh, of automatic selection, but I think, and I'd love to get on that team, get in, get in the mix Get in good form. Force yourself into Ernie Els's way of thinking because if you're, if, if I was Ernie Els and I had the choice between, um, you know, say somebody who never plays golf on courses like Royal Melbourne, but there was an Australian who's played a thousand rounds uh, at Royal Melbourne who's a couple of ranking positions below, mm. I know what I'd be doing. I would be picking somebody who's got uh, a deep rooted knowledge of how to play sandbelt golf. Uh, ahead of somebody who doesn't play any golf on those sorts of on those sorts of tracks. Well, you might look at it someone like a Jeff Ogilvy. You might. I mean, last year, last Absolutely time, last time it was in Melbourne, they they used Greg Norman used Robert Allenby as a captain's pick, and it turned out to be a disaster. No disrespect to Robert, but he didn't get a point. And uh, that the idea was to pick someone who knew the course. Robert's form just wasn't good enough. But someone like Jeff. Exactly as a captain's pick, about. just a, just as things stand at the moment, Adam Scott is outside the automatic qualifying. I mean, it's a long way to go, but just at the moment he is. And Cameron Smith would be another one that they could potentially look at from outside that eight as well. Any merit to that line of thinking? To try and yeah, to bring have, Australians in. Well, if just had somebody yeah, who's you know. Oh, I think Ernie said that this this morning in his press conference. You know, if he def, definitely wants the home crowd advantage. And that's more likely to be true if there are Australians in those uh. positions. So I think by default, he'll get to that spot. But look, I'm really encouraged by him talking up the World Cup this year at Metropolitan yeah, as a testing ground for international players who want to familiarise themselves with sandbelt yep. golf. Yep. And last time around in 2011, as, as you know, Blake and I were out there and writing stories, probably trying to build it up and, and hype it up saying this could be the time because the Americans, you know, they're not going to like these greens and they're not going to adjust as well as the international players and all the Australians. Rah, rah, rah. Well, 
that was dead and buried first thing Thursday morning of the of the event. Yeah. It was they were so good the Americans. So good. Yeah. They in adapting to the course and the challenges of Royal Melbourne and the greens were purple, they were that hard. They just played their beautiful shots that they normally do. There was no challenge there. And I think that's an overrated aspect of the President's Cup because these guys go from course to course, a good point. condition to condition, and they're the best at it, and that's why they're ranked so highly. Anyone worried what they'll do to the course? Oh, if it's calm, absolutely. I mean, they only shot 60 there, so that was a long time ago now. Yeah. Look, I, oh, clearly the it's match play format, so we won't see that number. But, you know, with the attacking four ball, in a t- if it was calm at Royal Melbourne, it just it would explode the ball debate all over again, I'm mm. sure. Because they can play the course in the air. They can take so many of the challenges of Royal Melbourne. They can take them out of the equation just by hitting the ball straight over the top of them. Well, anyone who remembers... Uh, we don't want to get stuck in this ball thing again, but anyone who remembers um, Royal Melbourne's layout at all. So, number one, West, which will be 17 on the President's Cup mm. course. Adam Scott, uh, it's a, for me, it's a driver and a five-iron, roughly. Adam Scott was driving it down into the you know the jaws of the green last time. Yeah. It, I mean, mm. it's a phenomenal drive. Uh, that was probably in 2013 Masters and the 2011 Presidents Cup. Both, he was waiting for that green to clear the par four first on the west course. Wow! Um, so when, when we <laughs> when it's when it's actually calm, the course. I mean, the course's defence is the greens and the wind. Mm. Um, the the greens will get taken out if you're playing lob wedges. That's true. Mm. Uh, rules of the game. There's been some significant alterations uh, again to them, uh, which I think most people would consider a really positive step in the this right direction. This is for 2019, right? Yeah. So yeah. For Jan one, they come into um, mm. they come into play. You want to run through them? Well, I think the key thing here is that people actually had their responses heard, mm. um, I, and I'm not sure that's been the case historically. Um, but the the re- review process of the US, USGA and the RNA for us in particular has been exemplary. They've I know for a fact that they've listened um, long and hard to what was said about it. So I think that's a really important step, Blakey. Yeah, there were there were worldwide surveys, weren't there, Hazy and Simon Magdulski, who works at Golf Australia, head of rules there. Um, he's on those that joint committee with the RNA. But look, there's a couple that jump out at me, Andy. Um, you know, you can putt with the pin in. Um, while you're on the green, you, you, your drop, your free drop from a or your penalty drop yep. from a hazard or whatever, is from knee height yep. from or 2019. Yep. Uh, you can move an impediment in the uh, in the bunker or a hazard. You've got three minutes to find a lost ball. Previously mm-hmm. five. That's an interesting one. What do you think about that? That's that's not long, is it? And the lost ball rules changed also, Gazelle, because ah uh, yes, stroke yeah. and distance. Yeah. yeah. So so it's not a, ch- a rule change, but. Clubs will be allowed to have a local rule yep. that if a player hits a ball into the mulga, walks up and can't find his ball, his or her ball, they'll be able to drop it there and take a two-shot two shot penalty. penalty. Yep, exactly. Yeah, so it's normally, you know, and the point is that where the ball went out of bounds, so it's not yeah. where it came to, it's where across the hazard. So. Hey, see, these are, these are all on the Golf Australia website, is that correct? They Golf. are. Golf.org.au? They are, and the, the story's headlined at the moment, final rules changes for 2019 confirmed. And I think the key aspect, because some of those things haven't changed from when they were flagged last year, but the, the key aspect of the things that have changed are the dropping procedure you've already mentioned yeah. uh, and the one you just said then. But, Stroke and distance, yeah. yeah the double hit. Um, the removing penalty for a double hit uh, is, is also very important. Um, I don't think that happens... Too often, and I can't imagine it being sort of intentional ever. So I think it never is. Exactly I think that's a, right. ration, yeah. a rational one, um, and also the distance you can drop, which makes perfect sense here. Take out the putter out of your bag, and you can drop it 
in relation to your longest club in your bag. Yep. So no having to measure 20 inches or 80 inches, which was stupid that it wasn't metric anyhow, but uh, this is a practical solution. And I think some of these things in golf uh, have been impractical for too long. And this is a really good sign that are actually listening to what's being said and what happens on the golf clubs around it's the one, world. One club length relief for, for a free relief, and it's two club lengths for a penalty drop. So it all seems to make sense. Yeah. They're just sensible, practical, rational decisions that make the game easier to play, a bit quicker. The out of bounds rule, I think, makes it a whole lot quicker. Yeah, you have to get no going right. back to the tee, stroke rounds. Just, okay, boys, we agree, it went out of bounds here. No worries, drop to play. Two oh, shots penalty, yep, yeah. Yep, it's a, lot, a few people I play with would take a no-shot penalty in <laughs> that particular <laughs> instance. Ah, <laughs> oh, just drop one here. <laughs> a little close enough. Uh, there's been a lot of movement in the women's game from an equal opportunity oh. perspective as well. I know you two, and it's all incl- it, you can all read all about this on the Golf Australia website as well. It's been talking about the rules and then you overlay it with what's going on in the equal ops area and women's game, you know, Vision 2025. Yeah, feel t- like. two big things yeah. in Vision 2025 this weekend. Maybe I'll bring the first one and you can talk about her. Um, Golf Australia has announced it's a new position. And again, mm. talking about the RNA, they've helped fund this and we're very grateful for that. But it's all about um, putting women in high positions and having an impact in attracting um, women and girls to the game. And I described it yesterday in the story we wrote announcing the appointment, Andy, as a coup. Um, Shiloh Curtis yeah. is coming across to work for Golf Australia from April the 9th uh, in that role. Very senior role, uh, female game development in Australia. Um, I met her on well on the phone yesterday, if yep. there's such a thing, and I was blown away by how impressive she was and her uh, her capacity to, to speak so passionately about something. Uh, being women's and women's involvement in sport generally, but her knowledge of golf is already exemplary, and I cannot wait for her. And I think you understand, you know her a little bit, don't you? Tiny bit. Look, all I know is that in the in the women's football space, Australian rules football space in particular, um, she's sort of she was a founder of her own kind of initiative called Own Journey. And what she's not only is she a great coach of female players, but she's a phenomenal developer of talent and creator of pathways that's been a great um passion bring how do i bring more girls into this game that she is such a passionate advocate for and lover of Mm -hmm. Uh, that's been a great strength and she's just got boundless energy um she's intelligent she's a great communicator and she's got ideas she's never from what i know of her and what i've heard people tell me of her she never stops thinking she's prepared to push boundaries come up with new ways to challenge grassroots, but also elite level development. So she she doesn't she doesn't focus on one end of the spectrum over the other. She's as committed to the development of both. Uh, I think it's a fantastic appointment, and it's a further validation that um, it's not just lip service. It's been paid to uh, this area of the game yeah. by an organisation like like yours, you know, Golf Australia. I think it's a really commendable appointment. Really, we we, we stuck our colours on the mast on this at the Women's Australian Open. You know. It's not going to be lip service. It's going to be fair dinkum. And I, of all the things we've done, and there's been already some great ones, this is the best one to me because she's, you know, brings with her yesterday, her announcement brought with it on social media, just this overwhelming sense of great job, great appointment. Can't wait to see what she does. All this stuff just, you know, from the community in which she's been involved. Uh, and I think the general consensus was golf has done something really good. No doubt. And, and further to that, so we wish Shiloh... All the very best, and I guarantee you, in 
if we're still doing this in five years' time, we'll be talking to female golfers who have been the beneficiary of the expertise and energy that Shiloh Curtis brings to that position. Yeah. And the, uh, So the second big yeah. thing yesterday in Vision 2025, keeping uh, the momentum going, is um, something we spoke about late last year in the podcast, and it was announced at Huntingdale yesterday. Um, it was a special presentation there by the Victorian Equal Opportunity and Human Rights Commission uh, in conjunction primarily with Golf Victoria, but also with assistance from Golf Australia uh, to reveal a new equal opportunity in golf document. Um, critical for the game's future. And, and it outlines to clubs, it's a, it's, I wouldn't say it's a warning, but it, it, it does. It shows you the inadequacies of what we've been doing traditionally at Clubland. And it, it really highlights the need for positive change uh, and just absolutely sticks to the mast again, the colours of inappropriate behaviour. I think that makes the point in that document from what I've read of it also, that from a club's point of view, if you aren't offering equal opportunity to all your players, men and women, girls and boys, um, you are uh, susceptible to legal action. You are. And apart from that, it's the right thing to do anyway. Of course, that's right. It's just the right thing. You're right, Blakey. Yeah. Spot on. It's really important. And it's a brilliant document. It's enforceable now in Victoria and it soon will be around Australia. Okay, so there's some really positive strides being made in both of those areas in recent times. Um, you wanted to mention before we wrap it up today, uh, the a couple of amateur trophies, uh, the Riversdale Cup's been played. Yeah. And there's been some significant Australian contributions to these. These have all got links, Annie, mm-hmm. so if I just let me roll for a while and you guys can jump in whenever you want to, but... Uh, Matt Cutler, one of our favourites, is the he's the manager of Asia. How just many people in the fan club? Have we got a, is it? It's tracking alongside the sort of Richmond Football Club membership. It's growing, numbers, isn't it? It's yeah. growing. Yeah. Well, four billion people he's managing. Well, I think he's, he's coming a, on the podcast soon, isn't he? I think he Can will we be. Actually, I believe. I believe that they've, right done, they've done a negotiation. Well, okay, right. Up. <laughs> he's the manager of four billion people. Uh, we like to say, yeah. um, and in his role as the uh, manager of the Benalic Trophy team. And for the first time, proudly, Andy, for the first time since 2004, the Asia Pacific team has stitched up Europe in a in a you know President's Cup style sort of match um, for the Benelic Trophy in Qatar. Uh, came down to the very last putt. Um, Europe, being the holders, had a putt for a birdie to which would have forced a 16 all tie. Uh, putt slipped by, and the Asia Pacific team featuring Shea Wolves Cobb and Minwoo Lee on the men's side was uh, victorious, 16.5 to 15.5. So that was a huge achievement by the guys. And on the women's side, and they played really well all week, those two, in combination in the foursons and four ball, and they both won their singles impressively. Super. Uh, on the women's side there, Grace Kim from Avondale in Sydney, was she played three times and was unbeaten, and the women's team absolutely pantsed Europe. They won it before the singles started on, on the third wow. day. So... Huge achievement for the girls, and that's the Patsy Hankins Trophy, the time-honoured Patsy Hankins Trophy, Murray. I know that you've been big a big advocate of it, of it historically. Follow it on Twitter. So Grace Kim was uh, also selected yesterday in the um, Queen Syracuse Cup team, alongside Stephanie Bunky, making her debut in the international um, uniform for Australia, which is I know she's very pumped about. And the third member of that team to play in Bangkok in May is Becky Kay, and the link here, Andy, is that Becky Kay was one of the winners of the Riversdale Cup at the weekend. And Jack Thompson from South Australia, a phenomenal performance from someone who probably wasn't among the favourites going in. A huge, huge win from, you know, he was was really the most impressive player from the second day on. So they won by five. Both Becky Kay and Jack Thompson won by five, I think, Riversdale. Becky Kay was probably 
uh, it's the win that she that's been coming for her. She's had a couple already this year, and she's uh, you know well placed in the in the Curry Webb series rankings. Probably expected a bit more of her though. She's um, you know she's been around the place, and now that she's focusing beautifully on her golf, she's going to come through no doubt. Uh, but Jack Thompson. Little uh, a bolter really from Adelaide, just fantastic golf. And as Blakey says, he won by five convincingly with pressure from the last three rounds. Full credit. Well, it's a name that's used to being up in lights in the sort of the Australian consciousness, <laughs> isn't it, Jack Thompson? Absolutely. So maybe we've got another one. Hopefully, he just keeps it to the golf course, doesn't expand his repertoire the way Jack, <laughs> Jack Thompson, has. the actor, sort of got involved with some of the capers that he got himself up to, some of the peccadillos that. It, <laughs> he embraced on his way through Blakey. Well, that's more your go than Hazy and I, that sort of stuff. Oh, come on, mate. Give me, give me a break. I can see you on one of those calendars, Blakey, he's, that Jack Thompson oh, sort of blushing. bailed himself off oh. with a, a footy in front of him. <laughs> appropriate a spot. Bit, hey, there's a couple of things that uh, <laughs> slipped through. The LPGA is back on this week in, mm. in Arizona, the Founders Cup, where they honour all the um, founders of the organisation, stuff like that. And uh, I noticed there's not many Australians playing. Sarah Jane Smith was the only one that I could see there. But they're only two weeks out from the ANA Inspiration, which is the first major of the year. And we were watching uh, particularly Minji Lee very closely, but others... Yeah. others Rebecca Artis, too, we had on the show well. last week. So we're desperately keen that she gets her name up there as quickly as she possibly can. And it's Bay Hill this week in Florida, which is Arnold Palmer's tournament. And Mark Leishman is defending this week, but um, Jason Day's an interesting one. First time he's played in a month. So he's had two starts this mm. calendar year and finished first and second. Then he's had a bit of a break because he's obviously working towards Augusta. So he's back playing this week. One guy that's not playing this week, Hazy, which uh, might interest you, is Rod Pampling. Now, there's a story that Doug Ferguson, who's a veteran golf writer for the Associated Press in the States, put out this morning. Uh, Pamps normally plays in the Bay Hill, whether he's qualified or not, because Arnold Palmer, who runs, you know, previously ran the tournament, uh, would invite all the past winners like they do at Augusta. It was part of his thing yeah, that right, he, he liked right, all yeah. the past winners to come. And Rod Pampling won that event in 2006. Not invited. So right? because Arnie's not around... It, uh, Pamps is quoted in the story saying he's quite disappointed oh, because Arn- Arnold used to make sure he invited all the you know the past winners and, and he's not playing so there you go well, that's, that's shoddy that's and, poor form yeah shoddy form I agree well that's kind of as the Americans would say that's kind of pooping on the legacy a little bit isn't it <laughs> you know <laughs> I'd, we'd use another word but there's kids listening so we won't. But that's not no. That, you that shouldn't. You shouldn't forget traditions just because no, the, the founder is sort of because oh, I want to get Smiley Kaufman in the field. Yeah, and I, I did. Someone, you know, I suppose yeah. I should mention you know, uh, Andy that that, that uh, Hazy and I are going to play at Royal Melbourne Composite this afternoon just just to get you fired up a little bit more because you're going to be sitting there doing your radio show. Oh, why, he's gone why, silent. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? To me? We just as a parting we gesture. Had fun. We'd have been great with Matt Kaminsky. We'd had a lovely time. And you go and do that too. Uh, that's it. Hit them well, you two. Are you both playing together? I don't. I don't no. know. No, you probably won't. But it'll be great. I'm so filthy about it. Any time you get a <laughs> well, chance least, to get out there on the composite at course, at least you got a dirty day. It's a shocking day for it too. 21 degrees, slightly overcast, <laughs> not a breath of wind. Yeah, no, I think the 60s in danger. Perfect conditions for it. I expect <laughs> one of you folks, folks, to tear it apart. Uh, been fun again. Okay. We'll do it next week. Thanks, mate. Hazy, all the best. Blakey, thanks for being part of it. Great to have Matt Kaminsky on the show. There's a lot to look forward to, folks. Hopefully you're as excited about it as we are here at Inside the Ropes. Thanks for listening. We'll be back to do it all again next week.